Welcome to the Roll Down Podcast, hosted live on Twitch every Tuesday night. Now, here's your hosts, Cutler and Saul! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roll Down Podcast. It's good to be back. This is our second episode of our second season of the Roll Down Podcast. Uh, and we've got reasons to celebrate today. I will start, of course, first, as I always do, with my co-host and qualifier for OC Regionals. Uh, in his own words, I'm so glad I don't have to play ladder anymore. Uh, Sol, welcome to the podcast. Yep, it's great to be here. Yep, you heard it here first. Great, great, great to know to find that off. It's great. <laughs> Uh, guys, we have a, a special guest with us. It's his first time on the show. He is the winner of this last weekend's Tempest Cup. Should I say the Temple Cup? Welcome to the show, <laughs> Temple. It is a pleasure to have you. Yeah, hey guys. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be on. Looking forward to it. Well, guys, we got a bit of an action-packed show today. This is, uh, I mean, the last time we spoke on this podcast, I hadn't seen a single unit or change that they had made from set 7 to 7.5. It's been a couple of weeks now. I've played about 20 games. We are here to chat about it, basically, all things considered. Uh, first things first, though, Temple, we want to learn a little bit more about you. Of course, you are were the winner of the most recent Tempest Cup. I want to hear, yeah. your, in your own words, sort of your TFT journey, where you started, and uh, what brought you to, to this point today. Yeah, um... Well, I started. I started in the first set. Um, I don't know that I would have played heaps. I know one of my um, one of my friends at the time had played like a bit of TFT, and then me and my other friend were more playing normal league. We were like, "Nah, TFT is lame. We don't want to play TFT." He's like, "No, you got to play it. It's actually fun." Um, and then yeah, eventually played that a little bit. Um, and then since then, I've played every set except for four and four point five. I don't think for any particular reason. I think I just, for whatever reason, just didn't play for a little while. Um, and yeah, I I got Master first time in 3.5. Um, and then since then, I've like been kind of around Master most of the sets. And then last set was my first set um, getting to Challenger. So this set, I was like... Well, last set as well, getting to Challenger, I was like, well, I might try play a few of the 20s, and yeah, here we are. What a rise, it sounds like, to be honest. I mean, going from first-time Challenger all the way up until now. Um, love to hear, in your own words, before we dive too deep into it later on, I'd love to hear about how your uh, experience with the tournament was. Was this the first one you'd participated in, the second? Um, it was the... Third, maybe fourth. I think I've played. I think I played both of the open qualifiers, and I came. Um, oh, I don't even remember what place I got, but I I qualified for um the mid set invitational through the second qualifier for this set. Um, and then I got through to day two, but then I had something come up on day two, so I had to forfeit my spot. Um, which sucked because it was top eight for that got through to regionals, so. Um, this is kind of my last my last chance to get in there, so I'm glad I was able to come through and um, qualify. 
Wow, I feel like we talked to a lot of TFT prodigies on this show, Sol, but someone, <laughs> someone who uh, only got Challenger about a year ago and is now competing at the biggest tournaments in OCE is pretty impressive, and, and winning them, of course, i got to say, to be honest. Extremely impressive, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I want to talk 7.5. That is what we're going to start on before we get back around to the Tempest Cup. Uh, so, first things first, have... <laughs> we really played much of the most recent patch. I suppose that because we missed so much of last, the first patch, we didn't really talk about it. I'd love to, I'm going to start with you, Sol. I'd love for, for you to sort of talk me through uh, prepping for an event, knowing that where uh, D-Mance and Nunu was going to be a very popular comp. Uh, yeah. Okay. Funny thing is, to, quick, 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 like mini rant aside. This might be a really hot take, but uh, yeah, going into the 20, I, I did not think uh, the D-Mance and comp was very good at all. Um, like, it sounds kind of insane to say because we've seen, uh, obviously, we've seen like, a lot of ladder clips of, like, you know, D-Mance and Nunu doing really dumb things, like eating, you know, three-star, uh, you know, three-star, what is it, three-star terror and stuff like that. Um, however, the reality of the situation is, is that, like, when you're playing, like, there are very, there were very real counters to D-Mance and Nunu. The only real Exodia variant was when you had the eight D-Mance aboard and the three-star Nunu. Uh, but otherwise, like, you, you could counter it with things like uh, Morello, Sunfire, um, Giant Slayer, things like that. Um, and a lot of the sort of more popular comps that people tended to play were trending towards, you know, be playing around these specific items. Like, and a lot of people playing, like, Deja with Giant Slayer, um, Zaya with Giant Slayer and stuff like that. So um, I wasn't, like, too afraid of... Uh, of yeah, of the impact of Nunu, uh, to to be completely honest. So that that's sort of to answer that specific part of the question. But yeah, interesting. Uh, Temple, I I'd love to hear your thoughts on on Demons and Nunu. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I was one of those people that was sort of really worried about its what its potential impact could look like. But yeah, uh, what were your thoughts going into the uh, an event like a like a qualifying event, knowing that there was a, a sort of a comp that was very highly thought of. Yeah, um, I mean, kind of similar to Soul. Like, I, I certainly some some games you're just playing, and then there's a guy with a Nunu, and every time you burst him, he just like eats all you guys, and you can't do anything, and it feels very bad to play against. Um, but yeah, for me, like, I, I it's not really a comp that I played um too much, and so I wasn't really focused on it a whole lot because at the same time, I think. Um, I quite liked last patch, even though Lagoon's really popular this patch, but last patch I think Lagoon was still quite good, but not a lot of people played it because maybe they just hadn't tried much, but I'd played a little bit um, on ladder before, and I think Lagoon was like usually a fairly good counter because you normally have a few ZZ rots and then um, same with Morello spread on everybody, like eventually you just kind of get through the Nunu a lot of the time, so... Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too focused on it, but um, I did end up playing it kind of one game. I played two star for a little bit, and then I just transitioned to Aushin for my final board. Nice. I guess uh, we should talk a little bit. Um, I guess the nicest way to say it is uh, just sort of all around about the the meta and how things are going at the moment. I know Soul uh, has always been a very big proponent of Zaya. Uh, was that, so I know that's something that you leaned on in the tournament, which we'll touch on later, but did you find, uh, anything about the, the first patch before we got, uh, this week's patch to be, aside from Nunu, of course, to be, uh, um, bad to play against, um, anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, the first patch, um, I think, 
was as in like I think the B patch didn't really do too much to actually change the overall meta itself. Uh, I think the main thing uh, was that I think in the first patch, um, Ophel- the Ophelia's comp was a lot uh, more powerful. Um, but, but mainly like as a reroll strategy, the thing is is that like the comp ended up like landing at about the same power level like post B patch. Um, they just leaned a lot harder on Graves instead of uh, the Ophelia's. Um, but, like that being said, so I think like the opening like patch was like a pretty good indicator of like where the meta would be going into the Tempest Cup. Um and what that really translates into is like um you have like you have your Zaya boards, you have your Deja boards, you have Aphelios boards, and then you have like you have some like Graves flex boards. Um and then you've got like these like you've got a few like new new boards every now and then, right? But that's the sort of general spread of comps that you would typically see in, in games. Um and, and that tended to be fairly true uh, of the comps that people played at our Tempest Comp. Fair enough. Temple, do you sort of concur on, on that one? You sort of felt that it was sort of nicely, it was kind of well-rounded. There were kind of five comps that people were really playing at all times. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say so. Um, I know there was a few people that I saw who were pretty much just one-tricking Aphelios during Tempest Cup. Um, I don't think any of them managed to to make top four in the end, which no flame to them, but I was kind of happy about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like for me, when I was playing, I like leaned towards either playing like Nunu if, if um, it presented itself. And then I think Lagoon was good um, as well. Um, and then you can play Felios if you get the openers, I is good. And then, um, also, like, I think Olaf was still good, but usually I'd only play if I got Olaf at 2-1, um, or, like, good augments for it. So, yeah, oh, and, and and Mirage as well. Um, but yeah, those are probably the main comps that I was, like, looking out for in my games, too. So I think pretty similar to what Sol said. Nice. Well, let's talk uh, now sort of about this current patch, I suppose. I know that you guys sort of fresh off a tournament won't have played... <laughs> hundreds of games of the the brand new patch but what were you guys i guess I'll, I'll start with you temple on this one what were you guys sort of looking or like hoping to see in in a sort of a first major patch of a, of a set like this um i guess probably like most people you just like to see some new comps come into the meta so that you don't you know end ending up playing the same thing that you've played for the like the two weeks before um which i think is definitely the case like there's a lot more um AP um, in this new patch, um, but I haven't played I haven't played the new patch a whole lot. Um, but I think it feels good. I think also with um, the power, like you don't see Nunu as much since it got quite a few nerfs, um, and so I think there's probably a bit more room to be flexible with what you're playing compared to the previous patch, which which is nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Sol, I mean, I know that I sort of in- introed you as never having to play ladder again, but... Someone, <laughs> someone really I mean, I still watch streams. I, yeah. I still watch people play. I just, I, just don't have to, I just don't really play myself, you know, currently. Um, no, so, I mean, I think, like, directionally, I'm, I'm very happy with the way that, like, um, with what they've decided to sort of um, buff and um, nerf. Uh, I think that, like... What I wanted to see was uh, more of uh, more buffing uh, of the sort of underplayed carries, right? I, I wanted to see things like, you know, like um, you, know, you, for example, uh, really being buffed. Um, he felt very sort of very lackluster in the opening patch. Um, very happy also with um, with also uh, things that like um, 
like obviously nerfing the demons and Nunu comp. Um, as I think like even you know, despite what I said earlier, I think that like the high roll versions of it was still a bit egregious. Um, I think it is a little bit spooky with how much they've buffed uh, mages and lagoon. Uh, so we'll have to see how that actually pans out in the long run once the sort of um, big picture data starts coming in. Um, but I think directionally, like the idea is correct. I think that like lagoon. Despite being viable, was in a bit of a weaker state. I think the early game was particularly uh, is a little bit particularly swingy and dicey. Um, depending on if you, you know you can hit like early Kaiser and stuff with blue buff. Um, but overall, though, I'm pretty happy with the, like you know the direction the balance team has been going in. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. Uh, I actually played all day today, which is nice. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, for those that we may have overseas listeners, you know we do have quite a few. Uh, it was a public holiday today in Australia, so everybody got the day off, which is, uh, well, most people got the day off. I'm sorry if you had to work today and you were from <laughs> Australia. I feel bad for you. But at the same time, that meant I get to play TFTLD. So not too bad, really, to be honest with you. Uh, I will say that there's a lot of Soma at the moment, <laughs> pretty much everywhere. There's like two or three, maybe even sometimes half the lobby is playing Lagoon, to be honest, which is not the end of the world. You know, I, I actually really like it when... AP is like a popular, popular thing, to be honest. I think um, it makes the balance of the game a little less sort of swingy. Like you don't just take 30 damage from an AP comp on stage three, I've always felt at the very least. So uh, as opposed to some AD units (laughs) that that do have the potential uh, and have done in the past lots of damage like that. Um, I guess one of the main things that I was kind of looking out for in this patch was how they were gonna like buff jade i know you mentioned this soul uh just then when you said shio you mm. i don't think they've really done a good enough job to be honest so okay. far okay yep i will mm. say that jade is still not particularly a comp at least in my opinion that yep. can play at the moment it maybe will get better uh we will we maybe see it but there's a lot of dragons at the moment a lot of high-end mm. stuff that's getting really popular so yeah, I mean, on that point, right, like, it could very well be a situation where, like, uh, random Shiyou is, like, fine to play in, like, the Flex Dragon Boards now, but then it is a comp, just... I mean, if, if I think I think it does come down to the removal of, like, Nico, right, as that sort of glue that held everything together. Yeah. Um, It sort of makes Vertical Jade feel really awkward to play. You've just got a lot of these, like, one and twos. I, I, I think that... Because they took out Nivea as well. So that's, that, that's the three taken out of Jade as well. So it's just, you're just playing around a bunch of one and twos, your board just feels fundamentally very underpowered, so yeah, I'm not too sure where they need to go from there. But yeah, I think without a Nivea as well it makes it hard because it feels like Jay doesn't have a, a consistent carry or duo carry to Shio. So yep. sure. Yeah, I know you guys. You guys have mentioned two of the big ones there. I will say as well, like having a one cost guardian for Jade was really good mm. as well. Yep, like, Tar- I agree. Tarek was a, like a very underrated part of that. He was. Uh, he was. Comp, yep. so. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really, at the end of the day. Um, I also feel like everyone's playing Astral at the moment, even though they nerfed it. I'm interested... Well, I mean, it was more of a rework than a nerf, but yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's definitely more of a rework than a nerf. A couple of days... I mean, well, literally a day before the patch, we got a big big thing about sort of how to correctly play Astrals at the moment. The Sox Manifesto. The Sox Manifesto, as we usually get (laughs) before these podcasts come out. Uh, Sox is very good at timing his his things like that for us which i always appreciate of course um well guys i mean realistically we don't have too much uh, new stuff to talk about to be honest i guess i will just say like 
for the future, we're going to be podcasting as much as we can. So we will be much more up to date on, on things like the meta and that. And who knows, maybe we'll even play some games uh, of the patches. Well, we can't promise you anything, but we'll try, <laughs> we'll try our best, you know. <laughs> I want to get to the main portion of this episode. And that is because we have two people with me today who finished in the top four of the Tempest Cup. Uh, OC's most recent tournament in preparation for our regional event. And these two have now qualified for regionals. I'm going to start with our guest, Temple, first, of course, because I want to hear from your perspective how the tournament went, how you felt. Obviously, you ended up winning the event. You had some crazy scores on three wins in a row i'd love to hear your you know your perspective how did you how did you feel during the event coming into the event and end up winning the event yeah um i mean i think i think leading into it i was probably a bit nervous because i hadn't um i hadn't felt like i'd quite figured out um the play style that like suited me the best playing on ladder i'd sort of been going up to two or three hundred LP and then sort of coming back down to a hundred or below a fair bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think with a lot of um, new sets and new patches, like I'm not usually somebody to climb really quickly. I'll, I'll more settle in and like be probably in better form towards the end of the set, I think. Um, so I wasn't really feeling like super confident. And then my, my first game on day two, um, I was stressing because I I went for uh, I got like a perfect opener pretty much to play um, to play an Aphelios board, so I was like, all right, I guess we're doing this, which I don't really like playing too much, but I'm like, all right, well, I think it's like my best option. So I was playing that, and I was I was in eighth eighth place with like I don't remember what stage it would have been, but it would have been like ten health or. I, I think I was in your lobby actually. Yeah, I remember that game. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were yeah. I was, I was yeah, like yeah. fifteen health and super low, like yeah. super early. I'm like, nah, I'm coming eighth, and then I'm like screwed to make this top four. But I managed to um, get all the way up to a fifth, and it was actually really close to being a fourth. The, my last matchup that I played was against the guy that um, was in fourth place, and he was only on like seven health as well. And I think I lost by a unit or two. So um, yeah, that game was stressful a bit, <laughs> um, and then. Yeah, after that, my other games went pretty well. I don't know. I feel like I kind of high rolled a bit, um, but you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think you just sort of play what you're given, and then it just seems like you're making all good decisions. I guess high rolling's part of it, but um, also I think like if you're feeling confident, I think it can help because you don't sort of second guess what you want to play. You can just stick to your plan. So. Um, yeah, I think for the rest of it, I came second game. I came second. I was just playing like Varus reroll into four shapeshifters, um, and then my next four games, I came first, uh, and that was like two lagoons, one dragonman's Ashin, and then my last game, I I I started with scale scorn crown. My next augment was scale scorn heart, so I had six scale scorn. So that one, I kind of feel like it played out itself a bit. Um, but yeah, I was like I said. To be honest, I was pretty surprised with how well I ended up doing. I kind of didn't expect it, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain about the result. Very nice. Yeah, pleased to pleased to hear that. A big congratulations from us. You know, always. Oh, uh, thank always you. Good. Appreciate it. 
Uh, well, I want to go to you now, Sol. I managed to watch... Well, I watched five of your six games. Uh, I am an old man. I went to bed before <laughs> your last game. Because it oh, was, that's <laughs> It was like yeah, 10 I was quite... p.m. I was tired. <laughs> you know. uh, so from yeah. your perspective, coming into the event, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you felt? Uh, okay, so it's pretty interesting because like, I feel like the, the play I was on day one is very, very different to the play I was on day two. Or rather, the other way around. The player I was on day two is a lot different to the player I was on day one. Going into day one, um, I felt okay, I guess. I mean, I had a plan um, when I came to the tournament. Um, I knew that like I was going to be flexing around uh, Zaya and Deja, um, and I was going to specifically play around uh, Rageblade openers as much as I could. Um, so I was gonna. I knew that like I was looking to start bow. Uh, I knew that like I was looking to you know play around, uh, play around like center and stuff as like my early like carry, um, but also I I enter I did I think like I was like a little bit ahead of the curve. Obviously not to the degree that Sox was, but I definitely identified that like Varus in Astral's was extremely powerful as like an item opener because like as, as like a as like an item holder. Sorry, um, that combined with the um, with the with the way that you can sort of play multiple copies of the same Astral unit. Uh, essentially have a strong board, but also Econ. So I used that to consistently fast uh, eight my Zaya boards on day one. Uh, so day one was just a lot of Zaya, and um, I got through that pretty pretty, uh, pretty, pretty smoothly. Uh, day two, uh, shout out to uh, my friends, uh, uh, Maxi One Bloke, uh, also known as Ari, and uh, Richard, uh, also known as Dappler. Uh, shout out to those two. Um, we got in like a Discord call before day two, um, where we did a bunch of VOD reviews with each other, talked a lot about, you know, where we were, where our headspace was at with the meta, and um, how we sort of wanted to approach playing, you know, these different comps and different lines. Um, we talked a lot about actually playing um, Braves, actually, as your, um, as your carry, uh, as, like, your four-cost carry um, in, like, a four-cost flex board, uh, which ended up paying, like, really insane dividends in day two, because I think Graves was really underplayed outside of Velios. Um, like most people just play Graves only in Aphelios. No one really like no one really seemed to play Graves as an actual carry. So like I think I, I played like one or two like I think I played one or two I think I played yeah two Zaya games on Saturday two. I went six in the first one. My headspace was like not in the great place. Um and then I played Deja and went uh, I think third or something. I was like, okay, we can maybe do this. OPM. Uh went second with Zaya. I was like, okay, we ran it back, and then I played. I think, yeah, and then I played two or two, two or three Graves games. I think that's. I played three Graves games. Um, so I played. Uh, basically, I just flex around Graves as like my four cost carry. Um, one of the games I had like four Canadier with like Nomzi. The other game I just had like Graves and like Nyla and stuff. Um, but the last game was probably the most interesting. Uh, because the last game I, I I took Build Different, which was actually my first time playing Build Different on the entire patch. <laughs> uh, that was kind of spooky. It. Yeah, that was kind of spooky. But I was like, I think my options was like Build Diff, like it was like Build Diff, Shiver Scale Crest, and some other thing at two one. And I was like, I mean, I, I I'm pretty sure Build Diff is correct to take here. So I took Build Diff, and then I knew that like I I I talked about this with um with Ari before prior to the actual day about like how to play Build Diff board. Um, and so, like, I had the vaguest idea of how to play a built-in board. I was like, okay, I'm gonna play around like, I'm gonna play around like Pantheon, I'm gonna play around Hecarim, and I'm playing around like some of the random dudes. <laughs> and then I was, and then I ended up basically, I ended up with like what was essentially a double trouble board without double trouble, um, but it had built diff. <laughs> so it was like it was like two Pantheon twos, two Graves twos, um, two Hecarims, 
and then like a random prom too for the lols. <laughs> and, and that board was like exact was like basically just enough to scrape a top four, um, which got me in exactly uh, on the points I needed. Um, so I got in at forty. I got in at fourth at forty one points, um, and then. The uh, fifth place uh, finisher also was at forty-one points, but my tiebreaker was slightly better. I finished eleventh day one, and he finished fourteenth. Uh, so yeah, literally scraped in by the skin of my teeth. Um, it's so close. It's crazy. It's quite a yeah. It's quite an event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't really get much closer than that, can you? And you have to go back a whole day of play to figure out if he's going through. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Wow, I mean, well, uh, to be honest with you guys, uh, I actually watched Sol's last game today, this morning, in preparation for this event, for a bit of fun. I wanted to see what he did. Uh, and I can tell you, when I saw that he had two Graves 2s on his board, I was like, oh, he's winning the entire lobby. Because I, <laughs> I already knew that you went yeah. through, and all of a sudden you lost about six rounds in a row. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, how'd you make it? Because <laughs> I didn't really know it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Maybe he's got pretty, like, maybe he scraped a third or something. But no, that's really cool. Uh, I'd love to talk about sort of augments as well while we're on that. Uh, Temple, do you feel like there are augments in the game that are just auto-picks for you no matter what? I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on augments specifically. Yeah, uh, I mean, for sure. There's definitely some where if you see it, you take it. Um, I think, and there's also, you know, some that if I see it, I'm almost never taking it um i don't know i'm because there's so many augments it's hard for me to say um specific ones um off the top of my head i'm just gonna have a quick look at um an augment an augment list real quick um good but i mean i think like better together is really good at the moment like i'll probably save some more of like the more flexible ones um like portable forge is always good I'm always happy to take anything to do with Lagoon, and I was in the tournament because I, like I said, I was really comfortable playing Lagoon. So if I got Lagoon openers, I I played it um, in tourney. Um, and then same with Scale School and like Personal Training and Scale School and Crown, just because they, um, I mean Scale School and Crown is just good, and then Personal Training gives an Olaf. Um, so those are probably some of the ones that like I'm always happy to take. Um, Built Diff, I'm normally happy like with Built Diff as well. Um, I think this set. Feels a little harder than last set playing built diff. I think last set there's probably more units um, and more variations of boards that I think work well with built diff. But like like what Sol said, like there's kind of a few units that are good, so you just play two of them, <laughs> um, yeah. which is, which seems like a bit a bit counterintuitive. But um, yeah, I think that's probably what I I lean towards more. I'm not a huge desire player um, or like. A Felios player, so I probably didn't lean into as much of like any of the guild um, things or anything to do with like cannoneers. Um, and then, I mean, the cybernetic augments also almost good in any situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are probably my my ones that like I'm almost always happy to pick. Or as well, I actually really like a lot of the econ augments. Like I'm always happy to take like level up early or rich get richer or trade sector um so yeah that that's probably for me what i like to play around i think a man after my own heart i love econ <laughs> yeah I, I i quite like playing risky and then you know you're on one life and you manage to win all the rest of your games to clutch out of first it feels good when when you pull it off respect that 
you're, you're a winner, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't say the same for myself. One health is infinite health per temple. That's it. Uh, Sol, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I, I mean, I got to be honest with you. When I hear built diff in a tournament, I would just re-roll it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's what the re-roll yeah. button was made for. Like when, when that's yeah, yeah, the best yeah. option. Uh, so I'm interested yeah. in your thought process here. So talk to me a little bit about some of these augments. Uh, I mean, I guess we could like briefly touch about like the built diff decision. I actually would curious to see like what all three options were again because I know it was between built diff, Shimmer Scout, Crest, and one other one. Um, I took build diff because I was pretty confident that I needed a top four, uh, to reach, you know, fourth. I didn't actually, I didn't do any sort of number crunching, um, of the points or anything, but I was like, because I think I was like third or fourth or whatever in points, like, by the, going into the last game, so I figured intuitively, probably gonna need a top four. So I figured, um, you know, oh, something okay. like build diff, um, is always gonna be a lot of board strength early, um, and, you know, we can probably figure out where to go from there. Um, so... That was sort of the logic behind taking build diff. Um, I guess with like my overall augment strategy, um, I did actually have a. I mean, I still do, but I have like a, I think a pretty solid augment strategy going in um, to you know the set and the event. And that is basically that the most important. Uh, I'm of the opinion that the most important augment decision um, is made at two one. Um, it sounds it might sound kind of intuitive because um, you know that's. It, of course it's going to be, right? You have the most the most amount of rounds, right? It dictates your direction a lot of time and goes from there, right? So, uh, yeah, I went into it with the um, with the idea that I was going to very liberally uh, re-roll my opening augment if I felt that, you know, it wasn't something worth playing around. Um, in terms of what my selection criteria was with augments, um, I basically split my sort of uh, decision tree into two sort of camps where... If I had a win streak opener, uh, like you know, I had multiple two star units, um, I would be happy taking basically any combat augment to play around and streak, uh, streak with. Um, if you know, I arrived at two one with basically zero two star units, um, I was always looking to take like an econ augment or like a trait based augment, something that you know I could, uh, you know, econ at the start and then look for like a pivot, like a pivot swing turn to sort of really bring back the tempo. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was basically uh, my thought process. And, you know, we can... Uh, I don't think there's too much point talking about specific augments or whatnot. You know, I think we've played with a lot of them at this point. Sort of lump them into different categories. And, uh, okay, so here were your options. So I'm going to give you these quickly. Uh, you have, oh, yeah, a re-roll, go, go, go. you have a re-roll available. I know I had a re-roll. Yeah, I know I had a re-roll. Yeah. <laughs> You're given Shimmer Scale Heart, Built Diff, and Metabolic Accelerator. Oh, that's what... That was the third one. Yeah, I thought about Metabolic too, actually. But um, I just I just believe that was a real like uh, I think looking back, did I even have any units to start? I don't think I did. No, that was a real like uh, that was a real no, heart of the cards didn't. moment. Yeah, no, that was a real like I'm just <laughs> I'm just putting my faith in War Dog. There's no way this opens bad. I'm picking it kind of thing. So. No. Do you think um, yeah. in your last game were you were you trying to play for top four or were you trying to play for the winner? Uh, I was definitely playing. I was definitely playing for top four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't really playing for the winner. I think I was playing for the winner out there. I'd probably just take Shimmer Scale. If I was playing yeah, for sure. but yeah, 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 because I, th- I feel like in in your situation, I mean, I I'm comfortable with built diff as well, so maybe I would have taken that. But equally, if I was just trying to play for top four, there's probably a good chance I would have just gone with metabolic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, metabolic can be fair. weird sometimes. I think like some games I take it and I'm like, sweet, I know I can play like a bit more 
um, a bit more econ, I guess, and then yeah. just try to stabilize with the board that'll get me top four and hope that I can like bleed out slower. But um, I think like sometimes as well, I feel like if I pick metabolic, it can like bait me into playing too weak, and then I end up just like losing all my health anyways. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm. Like, um, I think with metabolic, it you definitely have to treat it like an econ augment. I mean, the same mm. applies with like tiny titans, because like if yeah. you take metabolic and then you push levels to win, it's like doesn't really make much sense, right? You're not going to yeah. get any value out of the actual augments. So, um, I I think for me, I tend to play better from ahead than from behind. I've just like noticed that. Um, so yeah, I just want to, I, 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 that was like definitely like the thought process behind that decision, but I think it was definitely an interesting spot where like, there was an argument for like, honestly, any of them, like, I think mm -hmm. even like Shimmer scale that was fine to take and you can probably play around like Shimmer board and stuff, especially if you play for top two, but yeah. Yeah. I, th I think as well, what you said about, um, like you prefer if you're playing for top four to play from ahead, I think especially the last patch, it was pretty easy to just play strongest board because there's so many people opening. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Like, I think, especially compared to most other patches, like, last patch, I feel like, is the most open that I've seen in a little while in TFT. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. Um, I guess that sort of begs a question for 7.5 as a whole. Do you feel like that there's a lot of options right now for the game and where the game is to be able to pivot kind of any way you want and, and play these different kind of boards. I didn't feel like we had a lot of that in set seven personally. Uh, we'll go to temple, I guess. Yeah, do you want to start temple? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you that in set seven, I think it was a lot harder, especially because dragons were such a big part of the meta for pretty much the whole set, other than maybe the very start. Um, and so because you can only play one dragon unless you have like the augments to play multiple dragons. I think that always made it pretty hard to play whatever because you're just playing your dragon and then there's always a few units that are set and then your only units you're adding in are probably like legendary units later on. Um, so I, I do like at least in this set that um, there's a lot more room to just be like whatever. I've I hit a random two star Itis, but I'm carrying this other dragon so i'm just going to play itis as my frontline plus the other dragon compared to last set you'd have to like pick between one or the other um so yeah i, I, I do think this set definitely feels a lot more flexible and i think a lot of people who didn't like last set just didn't like how dependent it was around you just hit a random dragon and you just have to play around that so um yeah i do like the flexibility that this set has compared to seven yeah, Sol, your your thoughts on that fact? I know, obviously, going into a 20 and playing built diff, you kind of have to be of the opinion that there's some very flexible yeah. options available to you. Hmm. I think a lot of it boils down to um, what the sort of four-cost, five-cost pool looks like in terms of how flexible those units are to sort of play around. Um, and I guess what that's going to mean in a more specific way is that, like, how dependent are a lot of these units on their traits um, to function efficiently? Uh, now, I didn't really play much of 7.0, so I can't specifically speak too much about 7.0. I think the main issues with flexibility in that set are the fact that uh, dragons were limited to one per board. However, what I can say about this set is that um, there are a lot of there are a lot of really cool sort of four four five cost units that um, don't need their traits at all to uh, to you know be either good utility units or good carry units. Um, you know, I'm thinking about units like Nyla, like Graves, like Pantheon, who mm. literally can be played traitless. And I mean, they're better with their traits, but they can be played traitless, and they can 
like they can be flexed perfectly fine, you know. Um, so I think that that's what's leading to a lot of this sort of flexibility in these endgame boards right now, which I really like to see. Um, like for example, like we can take a board like Zaya, for example, um, which you know in seven point was pretty much exclusively played as a as, as guild Zaya. Um, now even though that there is a de facto best version, you know, there's the six there's the six rage ring Shivana versions where you want to end up. Um, how you get to that board though, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of room for flexibility, you know, in getting into that final board state. Like, you know, you could flex around like Pantheon Silas plus, you know, Yasuo is your front line. You could flex around, um, you could flex around Zippy and go dip h- even harder into Guild until you find Shivana, right? And the thing is, is that like the board, like the Shivana version isn't better, isn't even better until you hit Shivana 2 anyway. So like, you can go entire games where you play this completely like different Zaya board, which is very cool. Um, you know, the same thing applies to units like Graves, for example, where, like, you can play these, like, 4-6 cannon variations, or you can play, like, like, 4 Tempest with, like, Avishin and Graves, and, like, you can drop the cannon in, like, entirely, right? Um, so I think, like, that's what's leading to, like, a lot of these really cool sort of, um, flexible board states, um, and, you know, what I, everything I just said can be applied to a lot of the other different sort of comps and different units, definitely doesn't, like, definitely those aren't the only two flex comps that exist right now, but, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a good way to summarize it. Uh, I did say, um, you know, when we had our last episode looking at the seven point five kind of breakdown when we got there, that the best change they could possibly make is make dragons more a part of the game. You know, more a part of the game, making which makes them less a part of the game. If that makes sense, <laughs> in one way or another, the, you know, the the world isn't balanced around their existence anymore. It's actually a little bit more. Um, a little bit more balanced, even though you can have more big, cool dragons on your board, there's actually more of a chance for you. You know, you feel better having dragons, you feel better playing against dragons, uh, in all forms, to be honest. So You feel better playing only dragons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the only dragon board is fun. I quite like it. The, Pima, the dragon Pima board is, is very sick. Yeah that, yeah, that board is so fun. Yeah, nice. Well, guys, I mean, I don't particularly think that we have too much else to cover on the tournament i will just say um what we should talk about really when it comes to the tournament is uh what's coming up next and that is regionals so i'd love to start with temple here uh, how are you hoping to prepare for an event like this um i don't know i mean i guess being like my first time i don't i don't have and i haven't been playing tournaments for too long so i don't really have anything that um I don't know, is a ritual per se or any sort of way that I've prepped and I've found that it's gone really well. But um, I think, like, similar to the, these last tournaments, I just tried to get in some games on ladder, just try a bunch of different things, don't care about my LP. Like, if, if one game I'm like, oh, okay, if I have this opener, can I play, can I go for this board? And will that, like, result in a good game for me? And if it doesn't, then mentally cross it off the list and know that, like, no matter what, I just won't play that in tournament. Um, you know, sort of stick to what is proven and what I'm comfortable with. Um, and as well, I think watching um, streams of other players is also really a really good way to learn. Um, so I, I like watching um, mostly, I guess, top players from NA. Um, and as I'm watching, just like thinking about what decisions they're making and what I would do in their situation. And then if they do something different, then try to figure out why they did that and then how I can try to keep that in mind if I'm like ever in a similar situation. So I think that's probably for the most part like the kind of prep I do, just like get comfortable on the patch and then have a really good idea of 
you know, maybe five or six comps that I'm happy to aim for, depending on how the game plays out. So, yeah. That's an interesting part you brought up there. I'd love to quiz you on that. Um, one of the big things that I always find really challenging when talking to people about TFT is telling people that you want to help learn the game that the best way to do it is to watch people. Do you really feel like that's the case? Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your reasoning why you think that that's so successful. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think like most things, different things work for different people. I think some people might not be able to um, understand what's going on if they're watching somebody, and so it might not be um, as helpful to them as, you know, getting maybe a one-on-one coaching session and somebody else's um, helping them through what they what they need to do. Um, but yeah, I think I think for me, for the most part, if I'm watching high level players that are better than what I am, I can still understand the reasoning behind what they're doing. It just might have not been my initial um, thought given their situation. So I think for me, it works well because I can sort of um, figure out why why they're doing what they're doing and why it's why it's working and try to apply that to my own game. Um, but yeah, in the same way, I've also like a few of my friends that play TFT have. Um, you know, jumped on Discord and coached a few of them. And, like, one of my friends was, I think, in gold for the most part. And I think I, I only coached him maybe, it was last set, I coached him maybe, like, one game. And he ended up coming sixth in that game. But he was mostly playing Corky. And I just, like, explained to him about, like, the few different variations that you could go, um, like, shapeshifter frontline, whisper frontline, or the um, Idis frontline. Um and like he said, after I explained that to him, it like made it way easier for him to know what to do. And he climbed from gold to diamond from like one one thing pretty much of me like explaining that to him. So I think for some players, um, they might just need like a little explanation of one thing and then it just clicks because they just hadn't viewed the game in that kind of a way before. Great answer, thank you. Uh, Sol, for you, I want to hear about um, what you maybe intend to do when it comes to preparation for, a, for an event like Regionals. Usually we're just the ones covering it and talking about it, so it's going to be a, <laughs> I know, a, a, I know. a new thing for you to, to really be, yeah. be on, top of, uh, on top of the game. I'm very, I'm very excited for the, uh, the opportunity, definitely. I mean, look, I think Obviously, the field is going to be very strong. Um, literally anything can happen. Uh, I could get, you know, day one in like two, three games. So, you know, <laughs> all I know. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very good chance it's going to happen. But that being said, though, um, I think that um, going into this, uh, I'm going to be, you know, really sort of extrapolating from my experiences playing um, competitive trading card games in terms of tournament preparation um, of that, which I just have like years and years and years and years of experience in. So... Um, I'm going to be taking a mostly analytical approach to preparation. I would pr I would probably estimate maybe like 70-30 in terms of um, studying versus actually playing. Um, I most likely won't really be touching the game too much until the actual regionals patch is, you know, is, is out. Like, until it's actually, like, announced and everything. Um, of which then I'll probably, like, do a lot of prep basically every single day. Um, so my plan basically is to, yeah, do a lot of sort of VOD reviews of looking at what different players in different regions, you know, high challenger players are doing. Um, you know, talking to other people about how they feel, uh, you know, talking to other, like, you know, players that I think are good about how, you know, they're feeling about the patch, what they think 
think is good, what they what they think is strong, what they think is weak. Um, really sort of figuring out these sort of solid uh, game plans for what uh, you know uh, what you know playing like how you go about playing specific cons, right? Like what does stage two look like? What does stage three look like? What does stage four look like? Um, all those kinds of things. So uh, that's probably the approach that I'm going to be taking, uh, rather than just uh, blindly jamming ladder games. <laughs> Uh, we've had some of the most, um, some of the best TFT players, you know, that have ever been seen on this podcast, and we often talk about preparation. So it's really interesting to hear to hear what you kind of have extrapolated from that info as well, which is great. Uh, and so I would love to ask you about kind of playing the game versus teaching the game versus watching the game. Where do you sort of stand on on that kind of discussion? I think that. Um, ladder is always going to be where you get your fundamentals from, um, no matter what. Like, there's nothing quite like playing the game, right? You can, in theory, you can do nothing but watch the game, and you, know, you probably still... But if you don't actually play the game, right, you, you know, you probably wouldn't be very good at actually executing that. I think it's very interesting that in sort of these auto chess-like games, especially like TFT, uh, you know, timing, like the amount of time you actually have to make any given decision actually plays a very big factor. So without that sort of familiarity in terms of mechanically executing, I think that that can be a very big leak. Um, so I definitely think that like jamming games is quite important. Um, that being said, though, I think blindly jamming games is not very productive and can be quite dangerous. So like, for example, if I think it's a lot more productive to, you know, watch the game for you know, like four or five hours and then play another and then really sort of play for like an hour and a half to two hours, right? Where you really think about everything you're doing, you're consciously, you know, making these decisions uh, rather than you know, just, you don't study the game at all and you just blindly jam ladder for like five hours. I think like yeah, that that's sort of where my headspace is at. Um, in terms of playing versus studying, because it's very much like if you you can compare it to sports, right? If your technique is flawed, um, it doesn't matter how much you practice. Like you're always, not gonna, you're not going to be able to execute properly, right? You need to first learn what the proper technique is, and then you can actually practice it. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Thank you for that one. I guess um, I want to sort of finish off our overall discussion here talking about some of the other players that have already qualified for regionals. We've only got a few so far. You guys represent a pretty uh, elite minority so far. <laughs> Is there anyone that you guys uh, have an early sort of eye, like to keep an eye out for? Of course, we have all the names that we always talk about, but I, I, Temple, I'd love it if you'd sort of let me know the kind of, maybe if you watch some other OCE players or who you talk to in the OCE community or anything like that. Yeah, um... I'm just having a look who's qualified. Um, I think I, I don't watch too many other um, OCE streamers. Um, I've watched Tamora a bit. I think Tamora's um, really good. Uh, and I, by the looks of it, he's going to make snapshots. Um, so he should be in there. Um, and then in terms of people that I think um, to like look out for, uh, I guess because I haven't been in like playing competitive for long um i probably don't know who has been around for a long time versus who hasn't um but i mean huey's always really good on ladder which i think um you know he's always going to be a threat and same with angora um i think angora is always um really good um but i think the thing is with tawny's i think like it's just so hard i think you can predict 
maybe if you're predicting a top five, you're probably more likely to guess that there's one one of those out of out of those five that you predict that are going to be in like the top three. For example, if you're just picking like the most consistent players, but I think with Tawny's like, if you manage to scrape through the first couple of days being in the bottom two or three to qualify, and then on the last day you just high roll, I think like in a game that does revolve around a little bit of luck, um, you know, it can kind of be open to anybody. Anybody who's there on the last day can win it. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it though. It's going to be going to be good to see who uh who comes out on top and heads off to Worlds. Sol, a similar question for you. Uh, you know, we've had some great OC players on here, and and you know, we talk to them. We're friends with a lot of them. Uh, I'd love to hear for sure. sort of. I know you said that you're going to do a lot of analytical approach to this game. Will you be watching a lot of other OC players? Um, yeah, definitely be definitely gonna be watching a bunch uh moving close to the event. Um I think it's quite important to get I get a get an idea and a feel for the tendencies of, you know, what the actual field is gonna be, right? Um, for example, like it's not particularly pre- it, it can be a bit dangerous to mostly, for example, watch NA. Uh and then so you go into the event with a sort of NA approach to the game, but then you kind of overlook what's right in front of you, right? With like how OCE, how the OCE players in the field that you're actually playing are actually going to play, you know. Um, and TFT is very much a game where um, the way your lobby plays very much dictates how you should play. If that makes sense, like mm. borrow a sort of game theory term. The basically the Nash equilibria of of like TFT game essentially like deviates depending on how on like the tendencies of like everyone else is playing. And to simplify the nerd speak, basically <laughs> the best decision that you can make is going to depend on strategies that everybody else is essentially going to be taking, you know? Like, if everybody favors econ, you're not going to be doing particularly well if you are if you play a very aggressive tempo style. But if everyone's playing a very aggro tempo and you choose to play econ, well then you're just going to die at like 4-1, you know? <laughs> so... I think that that's going to be very important. Um, so, yeah, it's a very long way of answering that, like, I'm definitely going to be um, watching a lot of OCE streamers. I think names that are always there to, you know, pay attention to. Um, you know, you've got, like, Angora, very obviously. Um, some would call the goat, of OC- goat, the goat of OCE. I mean, he's already locked for regionals, but, uh, I mean, look, I'm just looking at the other names that are currently making a run on ladder at the moment. We've obviously got, like, you know, T- like, last year's uh, world representative TXE, Ron, like, I'm sure he's probably going to make it. Like, yeah, definitely going to keep an eye on for him. You've got, like, Kade, Tamura, um, and you've got, like, Reunik, you know, new and up-and-comer. You've definitely got to keep an eye on him as well. Uh, you know, there's, like, Escher, not too far down the line. So there's a lot of these, you know, players that, uh, you know, who... Runic is obviously qualified, but um, the others that are saying, you know, even though they're not qualified right now, they're most likely going to get through via snapshots. Um, and they all stream, so you know you can definitely check their vods anytime, anytime, anytime you want. So I, I think it would definitely be a bit of a mistake to to not look at um not look at their vods going into the event. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, uh, Temple. Uh, well, guys, uh, to be honest with you, this is sort of where we reach the end of our episode really to be honest uh what we usually do here for those of you who are new is that we hang it over to questions so if any of you in the chat do have a question that you'd like answered by our guest or any one of us here if you want to talk about the game if you want to talk about 
anything to do with TFT, you are more than welcome. Uh, I will first, however, start by saying a big, big thank you to Temple, who came on the show today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been it's been so good um, chatting to some other guys from OCE, because I don't, don't get the opportunity too often. Um, so yeah, it's been really nice. I appreciate it. Oh, it's, uh, Great to have you on. it's our pleasure, guys. Um, and uh, well, of course, as always, cannot be forgotten, <laughs> cannot be understated just how much he does for this show. Sol, thank you very much for being here. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. Guys, it doesn't look like we've got any questions this evening, which is totally fine. You know, guys out there uh, in the Twitch chat, you don't have to ask any questions or, or be... Uh, be like that for us. We appreciate your viewership nonetheless, and I want to say a big thank you to everyone who did listen live. You can find I mean, us... I, I, I guess, I was going to say, I, I did actually have an interesting topic that I did actually oh, kind of, of want course. to talk about. Yeah, no we worries. have some more, we have some more t- runtime as well. And, um, I mean, it, it works, because it's, it's, it's the Q&A section, right? I can ask any questions I want. Oh, um, sometimes I can Go ask ahead. the question. Um, no, because I was actually... Um, yeah, no, my question is actually for Temple, because I was actually very interested. Um, yeah. I guess, like, because, um, I mean, you mentioned that, like, this is sort of your first Challenger set, um, mm-hmm. and uh, honestly, I, like, I kind of assumed that, like, you must have started playing fairly recently, because, okay, now I'm just going to sound like, now I'm just going to sound like, yeah, sorry, ego, go for it. But, because I haven't really seen your name on ladder, right? Yeah, um, no. So, you know, if you tell me that, you know, you've been playing for quite a while, um, that's quite interesting. So, I guess I was really interested in, I was like, so what was... Almost sort of for you, like the uh, the 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 thing that you know allowed you to sort of break through. You know, like what was what were the main you know sort of things you did differently in your game, or like you know how I guess yeah. The question is basically you know how did you go about really improving quite rapidly and, and you know doing so well in, in such a short time frame. Yeah, um, I mean I think for most of the sets that I've played, I've probably like one trick stuff and before augments i think like one tricking was um a bit easier to do consistently i mean it's still like you can still do it obviously at the start of the set all the top players like globally um were pretty much just one tricking a fairly i'll say it can still work but i think as an overall game style like you probably need to be a bit more flexible to be able to um do like well in tournaments and um, climb consistently in every set. So I think for me, set seven was when I like just started to just play whatever. So I think the first time I got to master, which was set three point five, I was one tricking um, snipers back then. Okay, with, yeah. Like, when it was when it was um, Jin, Jin and... the Jin sniper team, the Jin team. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So I one trick that to get to master, and so I think like for me one tricking was fun because it's kind of like how can I maximize like this particular style. So I think probably a lot of, I mean I I don't really know compared compared to other players how my f- fundamentals kind of compare, but I think like a lot of just one tricking is is good just to try and get a overall feel for the game and also you know practice positioning or whatever else. Um, but yeah, I think when when set seven hit, I just like was enjoying just playing whatever happened each game. And I think probably the main thing really that I focused on was just like seeing what my first three components were and then kind of deciding on what I can play from there. I think that was probably something that I started to do a lot more, which I think was really important um, because I think something that can easily ruin your game is if you start like, if you start like tier tier rod, but you just love playing a Felios and you're going to play a Felios. Like, 
you're not going to be getting a Zeke's for ages. You're not, probably not going to get your Last Whisper for ages. Like, I think you're just putting yourself at such a big disadvantage if you're not paying attention to your your items that you drop at the start. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that was probably, like, probably the main thing um, was just trying to play a bit more. Um, and, and also, I think just having a plan for the whole game, I think, is such a big part of TFT. Um, because I think if if early on, especially as well, like maybe before you hit level 7 or level 8 when you want to roll, if you don't have an idea of what you want to play or you're like, okay, I'm playing Mirage this game, but that's the only thing you want to play, you might find yourself getting stuck and then you just play some really weird board because you just are kind of like, your brain's yeah. like, I don't know what's going on here. So it like shuts down and then you just go instant eighth. Like, I think if you can be like, all right, from my spot, I can play this comp and this comp and this comp. I prefer to play this one, so I'm going to lean towards that. But then I've got this backup comp if, you know, my main comp gets four-way contested or I get an augment that doesn't fit the comp I'm going for. So I think, like, that's probably the most important thing. Like, if I'm probably not as much on ladder, because sometimes on ladder I'm a bit lazy and just sort of playing while I watch (laughs) something in the background or whatever. But Yeah, yeah. Certainly in tourneys, like, as soon as I'm in and I've got my first items, I'm thinking what comps I can play. Then I see my first augments, trying to figure out what I can play. Um, and then, yeah, as the game progresses, like, I've always got an idea of at least two or three different boards that I can aim for. Um, but, yeah, that's that's probably the main thing for me. And then, like I mentioned earlier, just watching streams um, of better players and trying to be a bit more analytical instead of, like, watching it for entertainment per se. Obviously, I still enjoy watching it. But, yeah, trying to really take note of what they're doing and why they're doing it and then trying to implement that into my gameplay. So. Sure. That's that's great to hear. Like, mm. I think that, like, um, this, the points that you made about... Um, like trying to sort of get you know direction are uh, very very you know very very helpful for I guess a lot of our listeners that might be looking to you know really climb up on the ladder. I think that that's one of the things that I really do uh, preach as well and recommend is that um, you know try to figure out what you're going to play as soon as possible. Um, try to figure out what your outs are if you're not going to hit, and then that's it. Like yeah, you can yeah. r- rinse and repeat, right? <laughs> you you do that enough times on ladder, you'll probably climb at some point. So. Mm. Um, even that, you know, you're playing a reason. If you're playing like a reasonably strong comp, right? If you're, you know, I guess it's like it's this sort of, it's this sort of like healthy medium between um, forcing and flexing. Like I think that like um, either side of the spectrum is a little bit too much, unless you know you are really a, so- a sort of specialist in that field. You know, um, I guess like when I think about like flexing, I mostly think about like players like you know mismatch socks who can like you know truly play flex but you know for us mere mortals most of us you know can't really play true flex uh, but what we can do is is that we can play semi true flex where you know i start off wanting to fl- i start off wanting to play zaya and then i hit zeros uh i hit zero zayas but hey i built a bunch of danger items so now i can play i can i can i can buy the dangers on my roll down uh, i think stuff like that is like very very helpful and very very, very yeah, valuable um, definitely yeah um another question we actually do have a question now in the chat um from uh <laughs> See, I stalled. I managed to stall for questions. It's very nice, good. Nice. Uh, from uh, Cronubulus, uh, nice. what's temple? Um, how often do you find yourself on the bottom of the leaderboard, and how do you overcome that internal battle to get back to the top? Um, first of all, this is one of my my friends, and the first question is okay. kind of making a a joke about um, like kind of an inside joke we have with him because uh, oh, okay. me, me and my friend we have a few of my friends play Rocket League, um, and 
in in Rocket League, there's a leaderboard, and whoever's at the bottom of the leaderboard, we always just like make fun of them. So, okay, he's kind of doing a funny question. But I mean, in regards to that, in terms of, I guess if I put it into a TFT context of maybe you've started with a like a poor opener, um, and you're like thirty health at four one or something like that. Um, I think I think a, a, an important thing is sometimes realizing that you don't always have to try to play something that's going to make you come first. Like I think a lot of people will be like, oh, I can see like the tier list and these comps are the best. So I'm going to, in my spot, I'm level 7 on 30 health. But somehow, I don't know, maybe they only have 30 gold at 4-1. But they're like, I'm just going to wait until 4-5 and go 8 and then just play the Zion board. They're probably going 8th if they do that. Yeah. Um, Sometimes people need to realize that you've just got to spend all your gold, make as strong as a board as possible, and then just pray that a few people get knocked out before you do, because some games aren't salvageable for a first. You're just trying to minimize your losses, I think. Um, and in saying that, like that was a big, um, uh, like that was something that came into play in in day two of Tempest Cup in my first game. Like I was really not in a good spot at all. I think I've rolled way too much on 3-2 because it ended up being like two other people playing Aphelios and I was like, ooh, I'll just roll down and get my two stars. I think I rolled like 30 or 40 gold and I didn't upgrade anything and I'm like, oh, this game's so doomed. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think later on that game, I just, I can't remember if I rolled at 7 or 8, but I might have just sent it to 8 and then just like rolled to 0 every turn and just try to hit something that could somewhat stabilize me um and just know that i'm not i'm not aiming to finish first i don't need to sort of maximize my econ and try to like play the best way that um gets me in a good position to have the strongest like board overall all i need to do is like cheese a couple of rounds save a little bit of health here and there and then yeah hope some people get knocked out before i do which in the end yeah managed to sneak up to a fifth and like that could have been the difference in me making it or not making it just like really focusing on trying to stabilize for a couple of rounds earlier than maybe I would in like a, a normal situation. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's definitely very valuable to recognize like the spots where like even you can't even play for top four mm. um, and you just need to play for not eighth. Um, funnily enough, um, that actually came up day one for me in my final game. Um, and I think actually would have it actually made a difference as well. It's pretty crazy to think back. But um, in the final game of that day, like I was already I was like already locked for day two, so like I, I wasn't like as in the zone. Um, I, I basically after a sequence of events, I think like by the end of stage three, I identified the most I can play for this game is a seven. So I played exactly for seventh, and I got seventh. Yeah, <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> yeah, which of it, which actually probably ended up mattering because of the tiebreaker and everything. So. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, dude, like, one it, less point, you would have been out. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, oh, like, as in, like, um... Oh, it was this day one, sorry. It would have... This is day one, this is day oh, one. Ah, okay, right, right, right. But, um, but the tiebreaker was 11... Was rank 11 versus rank 14. Yeah, so, uh, like, yeah, it could have been a difference, point, too. I, mm. I think that could very easily be, like, you know, rank 15, rank 16 kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, you could even bring that back to, like, ladder, for example. You know, the difference between, like, a 7th and 8th, it's, like, 10 LP. So, like... That's like that's like going fourth in one of your games. So you know you really think about it. If you go seven instead of eighth, you just save yourself another like forty something minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. It's definitely. I think it's definitely very valuable to to be cognitive of the fact that like 
but no matter how doomed the game looks, it's always important to play from like not eighth because you really don't want to go eighth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, yeah, no matter what happens, you really don't want to go eighth. <laughs> yeah, and okay, I think as well, don't go eighth. Yeah. Go eighth. <laughs> um, I think as well another another like important thing that I think a lot of people don't do, and it's not always the best, but it's like sometimes rolling more on 3-2. I think a lot of lower-ranked players never roll on 3-2, um, even if they have a couple of pairs and they're on like a, a six-loss streak. They'll be like, nah, I've got to go level eight and roll at 4-2 or something. Like, uh, I think that's definitely another important thing for people to like recognize. Like, Sure, for sure. I mean, I'll, take it, I'll take it a step harder. Like, people, people don't even recognize when they should roll at like stage two. Uh, I mean, mm. I had a spot in one of my games where, I mean, it didn't work out, but, like, I'm pretty sure it was correct. Like, I, I, I yeah. was, like, it was, like, stage two, three. I had, like, six pairs. So oh, yeah. Once. I'd probably roll. Zero, by, yeah. hit zero pairs, by the way. Hit zero, actually... by the way. But I'm pretty sure I was going to roll. So it's, like, it's like even just being, like, uh, like, uh, like just sort of cognizant and recognizing even those sort of spots, right? Like, looking for these weird roll, you know, windows and timings um, mm. based on the context of, you know, what pairs you have, what you can actually hit to spike your board, I think is very, very important. Yeah. yeah. Alright, um, I think that's mostly it. I think we have one more question from Untied, a good friend of the pod, uh, who says, I haven't tried 7.5. Has it been positive changes overall since 7.0? Um, I think we've already, like, obviously all talked about this a lot, um, but yeah, uh, I do, I, I guess, like, for me, if I was to say one thing about this, like, set that's very different, that's, like, very positive and different, uh, and that's going to be flex, you know? You can fly flexibly. That's, that's, that's not crazy. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. I think uh, it's a big improvement. It's a big improvement. I really love um, the opportunities that the set has given us when it comes to dragons as well. I think we actually have a a realistic fantasy of playing in a big dragon, sort of a big contested dragon world, you know, which is kind of what they were trying to do in set seven, but it was really just like my big meat guy versus your big meat girl versus your <laughs> it was just basically you know like uh oh, i'm really bad at i guess i'm really bad at metaphors uh what's the one with all the mechs the movie with all the mech guillermo del toro mech come on you guys know this you guys uh, know pacific this. Rim? yeah pacific rim it was specific oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you should have so... said kaijus and i would have known oh, <laughs> see that's my problem so yeah, basically, basically up until recently, you know, TFT was just kaiju battles. Uh, now it's a bit more, <laughs> you have a bit more opportunities for other stuff, I suppose. Um, yeah, guys, that was a really great, uh, really great to um, to hear some answers on, on all that stuff as well. I feel like there was a lot of really good stuff in there that we, we could have learned. So thank you all for that very much. Um, I think that might, that might do us guys, especially for the, um, uh, the question portion. I will just say, uh, as we talked about a little bit offline, Temple is potentially thinking over the summer that he may stream. So guys, if you do want to keep in touch with Temple there, we will definitely find a way to send everyone over there when that time comes. But just once again, uh, Temple, thank you very much for being on the show. Do you have any uh, closing words? Yeah, I mean, th thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been, um, it's been really good talking to you guys about about the meta and about this set and tournaments and stuff. Um, and definitely looking forward to battling it out in regionals with Seoul a bit later on. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, don't, don't have too much to say. I mean, shout out to my, my friends 
uh, that were that I know tuned into the stream and were listening. I'll just say Ben, Cameron, Julian, uh, my girlfriend Jackie. She'll love that. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so thanks to those guys. Um, I don't have too much social media for people to follow because I mean, for I don't really have anything social media wise to do with TFT. Um, I do have a YouTube where I have like um, covers of songs. Like I'm a I'm a musician, so I play gigs when I oh, when so I'm, cool. uh, during the summer. I play gigs back in Tassie. Um, but yeah, so if you just type up uh, Will Templeton, I can probably just put the the link. Um, I can probably just put the link in the in the chat as well. Yeah, we'll put but it yeah, in if the you want to notes as well for you. So. Oh yeah, sweet. Already... Yeah. If you want to check out on YouTube, Will Templeton, you can see a few songs there. I have one, my most recent one, for sure, would recommend that over all the other ones. Some of the old ones are <laughs> <laughs> not, not amazing, but I keep them up there just, you know, may as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's so cool. it. Um, that's but, yeah, no, pre- appreciate appreciate you guys having me on. So, yeah, thanks. Oh, no worries. Thanks for coming on. It's been great. Well, guys, of course, we cannot let you all go without um, hearing from Soul as well. Soul, where can the people find you? Uh, yeah, Soul underscore TFT at uh, Twitch is where I stream. Um, currently, things have been a bit hectic, so I don't really have too much of a schedule. But uh, do feel free to drop a follow. That would be much appreciated. But uh, yeah, that's mainly where I am these days. Well, guys, of course, you were listening to the roll down. Thank you if you're doing that live, or maybe you were doing that via the audio, which we equally appreciate. You can find us live. Um, it used to say every week. It's not really going to be every week, unfortunately, as much as I would love <laughs> yeah. to do it every week. We're going to do it as much as humanly possible, put it that way. We love talking about TFT, and we won't be going anywhere. We just, uh, unfortunately, we are very adult now, and we don't have as much time as we used to, I suppose, is a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, and I wish we didn't. I wish we had all the free time to play TFT, to be fair. Uh, but we can't. So at the end of the day, thank you very much for listening. If you do want to find us, we are at the Rolldown on Twitter. And, of course, the same. We are the Rolldown TFT podcast on YouTube. You can find us there. We're getting close to 100 subscribers on YouTube, which is awesome. So if you are a listener and you aren't subscribed to the YouTube, please go there. That would be a really nice milestone to hit. And um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, We will hopefully have another special guest the next time we podcast. We've been working on so many of them for so long. uh, And it would be really nice to get a couple of the ones that we've been really looking forward to having on, on the show. Uh, but until then, guys, thank you very much for listening. For myself, Cut Wire, for Soul, and for our guest, Temple, thank you very much. Sweet. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.